When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there. This whole show is about shenanigans in Washington, from impeachment proceedings against the president to Kevin McCarthy's imperiled speakership and the looming potential government shutdown. This weekend, a half dozen Republicans announced they had reached a deal that was going to keep the government funded until the end of October anyway. But that's no guarantee they'll be able to pass anything. In other words, the story is moving fast. So for the latest, check out Slate.com. Last week, Slate's Jim Newell found himself at a very sweaty press conference on Capitol Hill. Yeah, it was gross. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the swamp. So what was the atmosphere? It was almost uh, revolutionary, I would say. It was idealistic. It was fiery. This was a gathering of some of the most conservative politicians in Washington, all revved up in the late summer sun. How many have to die in the Rio Grande? How many girls have to get sold in the sex trafficking trade before this body will wake up and stop an out-of-control president? Enough! They use the, the building itself. This is probably why they did it outdoors, so they can point at the Capitol as a prop and say, the way things have been done in there for the last however many years... It's going to stop now. This press conference happened at what should have been a moment of triumph for this group, right? Right. It was just a few hours after Speaker McCarthy had announced an impeachment inquiry. That is an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. You might think that's what they were so revved up about. But Jim says, not so much. Did they even talk about the impeachment as like a a thing they did that was... Like, good? Barely. I mean, when we got the chance to ask them questions, um, you know, we asked them about impeachment, and they were like, yeah, right move, uh, good call, love impeachment, back to the topic. What this group really wanted to talk about was spending cuts. With just two weeks until a possible government shutdown, these Congress people were being very clear. They're spoiling for a fight. I think it was Chip Roy from Texas who said... Basically, like, we don't want to just impeach Joe Biden. We want to cut off his cash flow. Like, why would we fund this guy? Let me be very clear. I will not continue to fund a government at war with the American people. We are here to change it. It is time to end it. And I'm proud to stand with these patriots to do that. I'm going to yield to the senator from Utah. It It was a really interesting speech where he was just basically like, impeaching is the bare minimum. Right. And I I think. You know, they're treating impeachment as we have to do it. We should get it on the record. It will, you know, doing it through an impeachment process, all these Hunter investigations, it will shine a bigger spotlight on it. But they don't actually think Joe Biden's going to be removed from office. So they think that actually using the power of the purse in these spending bottles to either change policy or defund certain things in the administration they haven't liked is the more effective way to go forward. They want to impeach Joe Biden's pocketbook? Yeah. They, 
They want to steal his wallet and get rid of all the credit cards they don't like. Today on the show, the most right-wing members of Congress have promised no spending bills, even if it shuts down the government. Why their leader, Kevin McCarthy, seems out of options when it comes to calming these guys down. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Before we get into the spending drama in Washington, I think it's worth just taking a minute to talk about the impeachment inquiry that was announced last week. This is the first official impeachment investigation into President Joe Biden that has been blessed by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Jim Newell says the speaker was so hot to get this done, he announced the House was moving forward without even sending it to the floor for a vote. That's not unprecedented, but it does mean the speaker's moving fast. So they didn't vote on it because presumably they don't have enough votes to pass something opening an an impeachment inquiry right now. I mean, that's the only explanation. McCarthy, four years ago when Pelosi opened it the same way, just kind of by, by diktat, you know, he criticized her. And then he even said in an interview, McCarthy, a couple weeks ago, that they would have a vote to do it. And so that he's changing his words so quickly is, you know, a sign that he doesn't quite have the votes yet. There are already some indications that he's trying to to get the last remaining moderates on board. You saw some of them walking in and out of his office this week. So I think he would probably like to have a formal vote that that legitimizes this a little bit more. But really, the House does just kind of operate on precedent. I mean, there's no, like, statute or, or, like, in the Constitution you have to vote to open impeachment inquiry. It's all just done by precedent and what they feel like, basically. (laughs) Good system. It's whatever 50% of members feel like. That's what governs the House. This impeachment will revolve around accusations that President Biden has been lying about his son Hunter's shady business deals. Conservative Republicans say both Bidens made millions of dollars through underhanded relationships with overseas firms. And the House GOP has been investigating all this for months. 
So far, Jim says, there have been a whole lot of allegations and not a lot of evidence. I don't think there's any smoking gun. I think the purpose of this inquiry for them is to obtain things like bank records and other more detailed records that can move beyond the level of just, you know, testimony from one of Hunter's former friends to see if there's anything there. I mean, the Democrats say they already have 12,000 pages of bank records. So, like, they, I know. they're in it. <laughs> they're in it. I don't know. I they, they want to get even more. They want to dig even deeper. They think this allows them to do that. They're probably just trying to figure out what the best timing is. I mean, I, this is obviously just a political situation, I think, here. <laughs> Newsflash. But I think it's a question. Do they want to actually impeach him at some point in the next few months or six months? Or do they just want to kind of keep the investigation open through the election? Sort of Damocles approach. Right, which is what they did with the with the Benghazi committee for, for Hillary Clinton. I mean, they just had that committee open for a couple of years into the election. At the same time this impeachment inquiry is getting off the ground, Speaker McCarthy is trying to find his way out of a major legislative jam. He has just a couple of weeks to pass the 12 big spending bills that fund the government each year. He fully realizes this is mission impossible. So all McCarthy wants to do, and I think, uh, you know, Democrats are in agreement with this, is fund a short term called, it's called a continuing resolution that just goes for a couple of months. And this is like typical, right? Like a little hall pass. <laughs> Give ourselves a little more time. Oh, yeah. This happens every year. There's some, you know, complaining ahead of any continuing resolution vote, but but it usually gets done. The Freedom Caucus is saying the current spending levels are too bloated it was a bloated bill by Democrats that way overspends. We're not voting to continue funding the government at that level for a week, a month, two months. We're not going to do it. What does the House Freedom Caucus want? So there's some variation, but they want the government funded at the previous year's levels, not the, the one we're operating under, but the previous year's levels, which would be another $130, $150 billion or so cut from spending. Is that possible? I mean, it's possible for the House to vote for those bills, but they're not going to go anywhere in the Senate or White House, so it's not going to become law. You know, if they're insisting that that be the number that makes into law, that's not going to happen. Like, what would that mean, cutting? Um, I mean, that would mean the way they've drawn it up is you basically have a little increase for defense, but then everything else, like some like State Department, it'd be like a 30% cut or something. Whoa. Like, it's, it's stuff that's not that's not going to happen. They are on an island on that. Senate Republicans don't want that. Moderate House Republicans don't want that. So they're on an island. Okay, let's talk about the Kevin McCarthy of it all. You flagged this quote from an unnamed GOP senator who told The Hill that opening an impeachment inquiry was a binky for the far right that Kevin McCarthy was offering, basically a way to shut them up while the House Speaker has something bigger to deal with, which is spending bills. And obviously that didn't work. <laughs> but can you just explain the theory going in of what McCarthy was was trying to do? Sure. So I, I think there's one, the PR purpose, you know, he's trying to not get conservatives so focused on all these little budget details that they're so adamant about and get them to focus on you know, impeaching Joe Biden and get their constituents focused on that. And that could be kind of the main story while all of this other budget business could be done in the background and maybe not become quite as hostile. There's also a, a more direct way that McCarthy could use impeachment, which he did float on Fox News during the recess, which is he said, if we have a shutdown, 
the whole government shuts down. So the, the investigations would shut down as well. Public. But if we're able to pass our appropriation bills, we're in a stronger position to remove those, those Pelosi policies that are locked into law right now, the wokeism, yeah. the, the overspending, the non-security of this border. We want to secure the border, make us energy independent, make our streets safe. So that would be an, a way to kind of lever the impeachment inquiry to get conservatives to budge a little bit on the budget situation. So if you want to keep impeaching, you have to keep the money flowing. Right. If you want to keep these hearings going, we got to keep the government open. But conservatives immediately said, that's not true. <laughs> we'll be in Washington. We can still investigate. And I think conservatives, I talked to a couple experts on this. Conservatives are basically right. Like McCarthy, it's, you know, in a shutdown, not everyone goes home. There's still essential personnel. And the person responsible for determining essential personnel in the House would be Kevin McCarthy. So he could keep, you know, as many committees as he wanted running. That might be kind of rude to the staffers, you know, who aren't getting paid, but, you know, they'll get their back pay. It'll all be fine. Just remind us how Kevin McCarthy found himself in this position of having to appease the most conservative faction in his party. Like, it seems to me like a small group of far-right Republicans are really pushing him here. Why? How? So this all goes back to the speaker's race. Actually, let's go back a little bit further. I'll try not to make this too long. <laughs> there was this procedure on the books forever called the motion to vacate the chair, i.e. basically to, to put the speakership up for a vote again. When Democrats took over in 2019, they just got rid of the motion to vacate the chair. Pelosi didn't want to deal with it, didn't think it was right to have one person who could threaten the speakership because they didn't like, you know, whatever was going on or why to get attention or what have you. So when Republicans came back, uh, McCarthy wanted to keep it the way Pelosi had it, obviously, or at least make it so it was very out of reach for his members. But the Freedom Caucus, you know, as part of their negotiations over that long speaker process, they got it back to the way it was, where now just one member can move to vacate the chair. It's privileged. That means that it would have to be dealt with immediately. And so that's kind of their weapon against McCarthy. If McCarthy, you know, bypasses the Freedom Caucus— and move some major bill with Democratic votes to fill in the gap, then they can, you know, threaten him with this, this motion to vacate, you know, perhaps a speakership. And that one member could be someone like Matt Gates, who after this impeachment inquiry was announced, went on the House floor and gave this speech. He actually said Kevin McCarthy was out of compliance with some agreement he had with him over the terms of his speakership. Right. What, are th what is this agreement? Do we know? <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, this is a whole other rabbit hole. <laughs> Let's jump down. So we had during that speaker's battle, there were all the changes conservatives wanted that were actually, you know, voted on to be in the rules of the House. Then there were other side agreements he supposedly made with conservatives or promises that were memorialized in some form or fashion, but which has never been made public. So whatever agreements he made to the arch conservatives – it was once called, I think Punchbowl reported it as the secret three-page addendum. That's what Gates is referring to. He says, you're out of compliance with the agreement you made with us. Now, Gates apparently, because I emailed his office, I was like, can you like show me the agreement? They didn't get back to me. <laughs> so I, I don't know actually what it is. Just a verbal agreement or if there actually is some piece of paper. I want to say one more thing about Gates and about McCarthy before we just move on. I was really struck by Matt Gates's language when he talked about Kevin McCarthy, because he really, and this just may be who Matt Gates is. 
as a representative. He sounded like a angry boss. This role. The path forward for the House of Representatives is to either bring you into immediate total compliance or remove you pursuant to a motion to vacate the chair. We have had no- I, I haven't heard a member talk to their party leader like that on the House floor. Do you think the Freedom Caucus could actually oust McCarthy? Yes. I, I think it depends on a couple of things. It, you know, would Democrats back up McCarthy if the Freedom Caucus made a move against him? You know, if there's a motion to vacate the chair, would they move to table it, i.e. get rid of it because they don't want a more conservative speaker? It's possible. I think another card he has up his sleeve, as he did in January, is who else is going to do it? It's not immediately clear who else could get 218 votes. So McCarthy could, you know, with no viable alternative, just kind of wait them out again. We'll be back after a break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Kevin McCarthy's impeachment plans, the Freedom Caucus's rumblings about spending, all of these things are being pulled forward by the gravitational pull of a potential government shutdown. Because without a continuing resolution to fund the government, that is what's going to happen. Jim Newell says the clock's ticking. Even if they all suddenly agreed on everything, like I don't think they would have time for both the House and Senate to each pass 12 appropriations bills. It does have to be at this point a continuing resolution. Like there's just too much work to do. Like there's not there's not enough space. Yeah. And I mean, last week they were just trying to pass the the defense appropriations bills, one of the 12 appropriations bills. And usually the easiest. Usually the easiest for, yeah, for Republicans. Like they want to fund the military, you know? Conservatives got a bunch of policy riders in there that were to their benefit, but they still refused to vote for it because they were trying to, you know, negotiate the whole package before they let any one particular bill through. So they refused to vote for their own preferred bill. I guess their argument was, we could vote for this, but then, you know, you might do something with some of the other bills and we've already let one of the hostages free. It was, it's like very paranoid. They're very, very paranoid about this. Here's the thing I don't get. The Freedom Caucus is making all these noises about what they want in the spending bills. And they're threatening to kick Kevin McCarthy out if they don't get it. What exactly do they do if he's gone? It doesn't seem like he's leading. But at the same time, like, I don't know if there's anyone to step into his place and do more leading. They're not known for thinking that many steps in advance. So, (laughs) I mean, this whole 
we need to cut the government, we need to cut some of these departments 30%. It's not going anywhere. I mean, they may understand that, you know, it's not going anywhere and then they can just be martyrs and say, well, we tried. Maybe that's the end game. Yeah, I mean, Kevin McCarthy is useful as a foil. Like, you you can simply point to him and be like, we can't do what we want because of this guy and keep playing the victim. Like, isn't that in some ways just, like, functional for the Freedom Caucus? Whoever the speaker is, is going to run into the exact same issues. Jim Jordan or Speaker Matt Gates would run into the same issue that the government needs to be funded and what you want to do won't go anywhere beyond the House. I mean, this was when they got rid of John Boehner. They got him Paul Ryan, who it's hard to remember now, but was seen as a star in conservative circles, a big part of the conservative movement. Immediately, he ran into the same problems, and he only lasted a couple of years in the job. So it's the job itself is somewhat impossible, as long as the Freedom Caucus is around. Okay, so Jim, let's do a little role play here. You're Kevin McCarthy. What are you doing right now? So I think he's trying to, as best he can to see if there's some way to get the Freedom Caucus to vote for any spending bill. I think he wants to get as many things as he can pass out of the House before the real brinksmanship deadline here. So he's just putting his blinders on and going forward. I don't know that he has a plan right now. It's really up to him. I think his choices are talk to the Freedom Caucus all you can until the deadline, and then you say whatever, pass a continuing resolution with Democratic votes, send it to the Senate, everything stays open, and you know face the consequences. Or he is going to link arms with the Freedom Caucus, go into a shutdown for a week or two or whatever until the the pressure becomes too much and then cave. I mean, you've said that maybe the thing for McCarthy to do is just say, like, come at me, brah. Like, go ahead. Try to bring a vote to kick me out. See what happens. I was talking to someone who said the motion to vacate is going to happen at some time. It's inevitable. They're going to try to bring it up against you. Why not just do it now? Like, what's what's the point of waiting another three months or so or for the next big deadline? Just just get it over with and, and see what happens. If I had to bet, he would survive it. I don't think he wants to go through with it because it'd be kind of embarrassing. But I, you know, it'd be like when someone survives like a, a, a failed recall election. Like, there aren't more recall elections after that. You had your chance. It's over now. Hmm. Jim Newell, I'm super grateful for your time and your reporting. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Jim Newell is a senior politics writer for Slate. One last update before we go. Last week, sources say Kevin McCarthy did confront GOP conference members in a closed-door meeting. He told them to, quote-unquote, file the effing motion to vacate the chair. And that's our show. What Next is produced by Paige Osborne, Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Madeline Ducharme, and Anna Phillips. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little help from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. I'm Mary Harris. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you later.